We continue in our series looking at uh, the season of Advent and how our God uh, comes to us and what we can expect when our God does move in our world. And uh, one of the most striking things about the life of faith is that we are always, uh, we should expect the unexpected with our God. Grace is unexpected. The love of God is unexpected. And so we read this morning from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. And this is when Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So with young kids at the house, all Christmas decorations are pretty interactive. Uh, everything that we set out is something that they can play with. Uh, if, for example, you have a mischievous uh, you know, two-year-old who likes to collect things and put them in different places, uh, you know... Decorating the Christmas tree requires some strategy. At our house, there's a big difference between the ornaments above and below, about three feet high. Uh, so the ones below are soft. They can't break. They're wooden. You know, they're just, they're not, you know, special to us necessarily. Uh, those above are fragile, delicate. They should never be used as treasure when you're playing pirates. Uh, you know, those just, you know, they should know better. Thankfully, our older ones kind of know this, and they're a good help um, with our youngest. But we know kids get into things. Uh, thankfully, some parts of Christmas are designed specifically for kids. Our girls love the Advent calendars, especially the, um, the chocolate ones. Um, those are really good. Uh, they open Christmas cards that come in the mail. They help bake cookies. That's what we were doing yesterday at my mom's house. Uh, they argue over who gets to wear the Santa hat that we have at home, uh, so much so that uh, nobody gets to wear it on most days. <laughs> uh, Fisher-Price uh, even has uh, a little people nativity that lets kids interact with Christmas story itself. The best part is how the manger scene always attracts a series of unexpected guests, at least in our home. So one night we discovered that the little people's school bus full of Disney princesses had come to pay their respects to the newborn king. Um, one morning, Curious George seemed to be babysitting Jesus while the rest of the nativity went somewhere else, apparently. Uh, one afternoon, the Holy Family moved into a giant Lego house that was constructed next to the manger. Uh, all of that happens. We're never quite sure where they're going to show up or who's going to be visiting. It's unexpected. In our scripture today, Elizabeth has a similar experience when her cousin Mary unexpectedly shows up at her doorstep. Although they were family, they knew each other. They were, you know, cousins. They, uh, Mary's arrival would have been a surprise. Uh, she hadn't told Elizabeth she was coming. She had left Nazareth uh, with haste, after the angel Gabriel, to Gabriel told her that she was pregnant with Jesus. 
Now, traveling the 100 miles or so from Nazareth to the hill country would have been pretty unusual for a girl her age, but the trip achieved two main things. First, spending time with a distant family preserved Mary's reputation as an unwed mother. A uh, a child born out of wedlock carried serious consequences for Joseph, uh, but especially Mary. Even if Joseph quietly broke off the engagement to spare Mary's, uh, to, to spare Mary some disgrace, the truth would have likely eventually been discovered. But having her go away for about a year saying she's visiting family, that was something um, uh, that happened. It happened, you know, quite a bit. Uh, second, Mary and Elizabeth had both learned of an unexpected Pregnancy through a divine proclamation from the angel Gabriel. Elizabeth was the only person in the world who could appreciate Mary's position. They could support each other in ways uh, that nobody else could. But Elizabeth, at this point, when Mary showed up at her door, would not have known any of this. No one had written explaining the situation, and Mary's mother hadn't picked up a phone to call. There were no phones. Elizabeth's surprise uh, presence, or Elizabeth's surprise uh, deepened, however, when the child inside of her leapt for joy in her womb. Ignoring social protocol, the unborn child, later known as John the Baptist, compels Elizabeth in that moment to praise Mary and the child hidden inside of her. And there's a couple things that we need to understand here. First is that we need to notice that Mary had only said hello. Okay, she just greeted her. That's all we get in the scripture, that Mary greeted Elizabeth. She had not mentioned Gabriel. Elizabeth had no reason to believe her unmarried cousin who was visiting was pregnant. Mary had just been told herself. The Holy Spirit, however, reveals who the child would grow up to become and what he would accomplish for the entire world. After blessing Mary, Elizabeth wonders aloud what she had done to deserve a visit from the mother of her Lord, which again is a unique insight. Sparked by the Spirit, her response reveals the nature of God's love for his children in three ways. The first is this. Elizabeth becomes the very first person in history to confess that Jesus was Lord. Before the apostle Paul asserted Christ's lordship in his letters, before the disciples confessed that the adult Jesus, this young rabbi, was God himself, before angels appeared in the sky to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah, before Jesus had even taken his first breath in the manger, Elizabeth recognized that Jesus was her God and her Lord. Now, as a wife of the temple priest and a member of the Jewish faith, she would not have used this word in a careless manner. Throughout the Old Testament, Lord was a title reserved solely for God. In fact, the New Testament uses the word Lord whenever it translates the Hebrew names of God, Yahweh or Adonai. The title carried certain expectations. To be Lord meant having authority and ownership over a kingdom, or in God's case, the universe. When she proclaimed this unborn child was her Lord, Elizabeth is given supernatural insight into the mystery of the incarnation. 
In Jesus, God enters his creation to claim his children as his own. That her Lord would come to her and to us is a profound act of gracious love. Echoing Paul in Philippians 2, 9 and 11, Elizabeth recognized that because Christ laid his glory aside and entered our world clothed in humanity, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In this moment, when she just meets her cousin, recognizes that she is uh, pregnant, Elizabeth submits her life to the unborn child in her cousin's womb. A willing surrender to the God who came to establish his kingdom, not with armies or political decrees, but clothed in humanity as an infant. She recognizes the power and the beauty of this action of the incarnation that our God leaves heaven to walk alongside and be forever with his children. Jesus is Elizabeth's Lord, and she recognizes it. Second, the birth of Jesus reveals the value of our souls. It's important to realize the question she asks in Luke 1.43 can be translated different ways in English. The uh, English Standard Version asks, why has this been granted to me? The King James wonders, where did this miracle come from? And the NIV uh, says that she says, why am I so favored? Each translation points to her confusion about why she, of all people, had been chosen to experience such an overwhelming moment of grace. Elizabeth understood the rules of the Torah. She knew the sin within her own heart disqualified her to stand in the presence of her holy God, much much less be visited by him in person, that he should be standing in the doorway or maybe in the living room, in her living room. Before this moment, only priests could enter the Holy of Holies and have this type of uh, proximity to God himself. Only priests could enter the Holy of Holies, the central room of the temple where the presence of God descended to be with his people. But now that same God was standing at her front door and she knew that she had done nothing to deserve such a deep honor. It'd be like being given the Heisman Trophy after you had the worst season of your life or maybe didn't even play, right? You're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be on the team. I've never played football, but you won anyway. It's like receiving an acceptance letter from the most respected university in the world after you, after you had just flunked kindergarten. <laughs> I can speak on this. I did flunk kindergarten. I went back twice. It was as if she had brought her soul to be spiritually appraised and instead of being declared broken and thrown away, which she would assume would be the the result, she had been deemed a priceless treasure. When Mary arrived at her home, the spirit revealed to Elizabeth, our God believes his children are worth the effort of putting on human flesh, entering our world to live like us and then die on a cross so we might be rescued. We sing in holy night, Jesus 
Uh, Like we sing in O Holy Night, Jesus helps the soul feel its worth by showing how deeply our God values sinners like you and me. Theologian Michael Reeves says throughout Scripture, the people of God are described as a crown, a precious treasure, a reward, and a sign of honor. Like a beloved wife who is the crown of her husband, the people of God are not some odious charity case. The people of God make God's heart sing. He delights in his children and will not stop. He, they are all truly, deeply, passionately loved. The incarnation, the arrival of Jesus into this world shows us how deeply Christ treasures his children. A preacher from the 18th century, Charles Spurgeon, says it this way, the Lord set such a value on his children that he gave his son Jesus Christ to die sooner than he would lose one of them. And Jesus himself chose to die on the cross so that none of his little ones would perish. Oh, the value and preciousness of a child of God. When Elizabeth asks, why am I favored? Our God answers, because you are all Precious to me, and I will do everything to bring you home. Finally, Elizabeth's response points to the incredible, everlasting reality of God's love for his children. If we translated her question directly, uh, Elizabeth basically asks, where did this miracle come from? In Old English, uh, we would have used the word whence, which means from what source? This phrase is used throughout the Gospels most often when describing the miracles of Jesus and specifically moments of God's uh, abundant grace and miracles of abundance or healing. When Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding in Cana, the host demands to know from where such excellent wine had come. When Jesus feeds the 5,000 in Mark and the 4,000 in Matthew 15, his disciples ask, where can we get enough bread to feed such crowds? Jesus knows that the people are tired and hungry and far from home. So from the abundance of his love, he provides enough food that everyone doesn't just eat, but has enough food to satisfy their hunger. The miracle in those stories isn't just the multiplication of wine or bread, but the outpouring of grace onto his children. The same phrase is used when Jesus heals a blind man, when he preaches in his hometown, when he talks with the woman at the well about living water and interacts with Pilate at his trial. In each of those instances, people want to know, where did you get such power and insight or wisdom? Perhaps most telling, Jesus uses the same phrase. This wince to reference the gift of the Holy Spirit in John 3. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear it sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. The answer to Elizabeth's question, how did this miracle come to me, is found only there. Jesus became man because of God's great love for his children. And that love has only one source, the gracious heart of God himself. Moses wrote the same in Deuteronomy 7. You are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. The Lord set his love on you and chose you because he loves you. 
The love of God that Elizabeth experiences here, the love of God that we all experience when we encounter Jesus, when we seek him, when we follow him, isn't dependent on something that we do. It isn't dependent on something that we fail to do, but it comes to his children as a free gift. It flows from his heart. And the love that we find there not only lasts forever, but is eternally set on our rescue and our restoration and our redemption. Jonathan Edwards wrote, There is such love and such grace in the heart of God that if you understood the length and breadth and height and depth of it, you would never, ever be discouraged. In the birth of Jesus, we are free to recognize that love, that love. And at the cross, we see how far that love will go so we might return home to our Father, that we might share that love with other people. The birth of Jesus confirms the great love our God has for his children. Even if the mother of our Lord doesn't show up on our doorstep, we are more like Elizabeth, than we realize. Like her, we don't expect Jesus to show up in our lives in such profound ways. We think that maybe he's too busy, that he has other things going on. But this story shows that our God does show up in that way. Our God comes. He comes unbidden, unrequested, unexpected into each of our lives, carrying the promise of salvation and spiritual transformation. The same Holy Spirit that opened Elizabeth's eyes to the reality of God's love still works in us today. That same Holy Spirit is still active. But in another way, we are a lot like Mary. When Jesus comes to live inside each of us, we are called to carry the unexpected, unfathomable love of God into our broken world. Like a fire inside of our hearts, the love of God is designed to spread. It's designed to be shared. At some point, the people in our lives will start to see a different kind of light in us and feel the warmth and heat of a soul claimed by a good and gracious Lord. When our kids play with the nativity, they don't just bring toys into the manger scene. Sometimes the characters escape and the shepherds show up at breakfast. The animals appear in someone's shoes. The wise men show up at the tea party across the room. And sometimes Jesus appears in the most unexpected places. A long time ago, he was stuck in somebody's jacket pocket and he went to preschool all day. Jesus walked around with our daughters. That day, Jesus did everything they did. He did snack time. He played with friends. He ran on the playground. He listened to their teachers. He was part of their life. And that's, in a strange way, exactly how the love of God works. Jesus came to plant his love in the hearts of believers so we could share that love with others. Like our Lord himself, we are called to show up in the unexpected places of this world, carrying the love of God inside us. And Jesus, we are designed to love our families even when they disappoint or frustrate or annoy us. 
The holidays can be a heavy season for some of us. We are called to love our friends so they can see how the love of God and Jesus has changed us. We are called to love every stranger we meet as if they were the most tre- as if they were the most treasured person in the universe. Because in reality, that is how our God sees them. Jesus even calls us to love our enemies, all those folks who frustrate and appall our sensibilities who might actually hate us. Doing that is never easy, but what is more unexpected than loving the people that might not deserve our love? Because that is exactly what our God has done for us. Like Elizabeth, let us rejoice that our God has come to us. And like Mary, let us carry the love that has carried us through the valleys of this life into the unexpected places of our broken world. That is why we exist as a church. That is why we exist as followers of Jesus. So this Christmas and every day of the year, let us prepare not just to receive God's love, but share that love with everyone we meet. Let us embody the unexpected love of God today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. Hallelujah. Amen.